Welcome to this ACS podcast. I'm Giacomo Gamboni from the London office and every week I'll be chatting to my guests about travel and music. For copyright reasons you'll be able to hear 30 seconds of each track. You might also need a music streaming subscription. For full versions of the track please click on the YouTube link in the description. Enjoy! So our guest today is uh, one of our uh, most experienced tour managers. She is based in Bristol, she's English, uh, but she lived in France for a long time. She's an artist and a writer with us, Samantha Forrest. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So um, tell us a bit about uh, Bristol. How is uh, How did you uh, end up there and uh, is it a nice place? It's a... How is it? Um, I've never been, that's why I'm asking. Oh yes, um, it's a really nice city to live in. It, um, where I have to say, I found it really lovely. I know that there are parts of Bristol that are further away from the centre and that are further away from the countryside, but um, I've ended up quite far to the west of the city and it means that I'm only five minutes away from the green of the beautiful countryside around about and also I'm really close to the centre where we have this harbour side and lots of things happen around there, it's very lively, it's a city where there in normal times is a festival basically every weekend in the summer. Um, there's a lot of underground artsy things happening so or sort of ground roots perhaps would be a better way of putting it and it's very welcoming for anyone interested in an alternative lifestyle or in sort of the environmental um, progress uh, that we're making. So it's sort of headquarters for quite a lot of uh, um, sort of eco organizations, whether it's um, the SUSTRANS, which are responsible for really promoting cycle paths throughout the UK or whether it's the sort of Triodos Bank for ethical banking and, and places like that and um, the Soil Association have headquarters here as well so it's it's got sort of a lot of that energy in it and um, yeah it's a really nice city to walk around it's a bit hilly um, if you live in sort of one side of town you can get around by bike without encountering too many hills but otherwise um, you do need to sort of uh, be quite fit. Yeah, I, I, I bet. Um, so you said it's uh, it's a place for underground arts, and I'm going to ask you: uh, Do you know who Banksy? Is? Yeah, well, yes, obviously, yes. <laughs> the, the, no, but who, you know. Who do I know him? No, but I do know That's someone who I has meant. met him. I haven't met him. Sorry? No, and he does hide space. But yes, I do know someone who worked for a while, sort of in conjunction with Bristol Museum, and that was the museum that hosted his um, exhibition that got such a sort of following. It, it was there were queues of four hours to go and see that exhibition, um, sort of for days on end. And uh, yeah, she was doing something with the museum, and she got to meet him, and she said, "Yeah, he is a real life person." <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Because yeah, the people say it's uh, it's the it's one of the uh, person in Massive Attack in the band Massive Attack. Oh. But who knows? I don't know. Yeah, the, I you don't know, there's know. people that that started tracking all the concerts that Massive Attack were were, were doing, and in all the breaks of between concerts, 
uh, Banksy Arts would appear and never when they had a concert. So it's uh, that is why the, there's this conspiracy theory then that, that it's uh, it's um, one of Robert Del Naya is called. Okay. From, uh, oh, well, that's, that's nice for me. I, so I, I thought maybe having somebody from Bristol um, who lives there maybe could give us a bit more of a, um, you know, more of a hint. But anyway, so um, in, <laughs> in this, um, on this podcast, we are um, talking about music and travel because I, I think uh, personally are two things that uh, go together quite well. I mean, I don't know about what, what you do, but when I travel, I tend to uh, put together maybe a little playlist for my trip uh, when I go somewhere, uh, do you have this uh, sort of uh, relationship with, with with music and travel? Um, I would say I found thinking about music and destinations harder than I expected. Um, and I used to travel around, you know, with my earphones, sort of plugged into various sort of music playing sources from sort of Walkman Center more recently my phone but I don't do it as much as I used to and in terms of playlists I think I very much on tours stuck to things sort of all yes maybe some music that I felt would fit with the scenery and the history hopefully blending the two together um but not necessarily that were my choices like my music you see what I mean? So, yeah, I would say mixed. I think for me, the yes, for today, there's a sense that music will remind me of places because of memories. Okay. So where is the uh, first place you're taking us to and what's the song? So I'm taking you to Germany. I'm taking you to an area sort of between uh, Mannheim and Heidelberg, or including both of them and, and sort of some of the little villages in between. And um, I'm going there because I headed out to work in my third year of university as a foreign language assistant, an English language assistant, out to a school in Mannheim. But I got very involved um, with uh, sort of students in Heidelberg at the time, and I ended up meeting someone there and um and he was an artist and he was into the cure like me and we ended up getting on super well we became um boyfriend girlfriend and he took me to clubs and so it was sort of my first time in some german um clubs and he took me to ones where just there was some the only seemed to play the cure music and i became part of a bit of like this sort of groupy set uh, without the band ever being present but sort of hearing their music over and over and um yeah it was a time when sort of definitely place and music sort of merged for me in the experience of the moment and so the song i want to play is love cats Okay, Love Cats by The Cure, who are from Crawley. I mean, <laughs> yes. it doesn't sound as, as nice. As <laughs> they okay. just had such a huge following there. And it was just, I found it quirky and sort of amazing. And yeah, but they are also, as a band, they I find them so um, inventive. Yeah, and creative. Okay. So just so let's just let me just add one thing for if we uh, for our American listeners that crawl is near Gatwick Airport in case you're interested. <laughs> <Yes. in visiting. laughs> 
so these are the cure with love cats Okay, so we're here with Sam Forrest, live from Bristol, and she's talking about uh, her travels and music and life experiences a bit, and we're having a really lovely time. Where are you taking us? So now I'm taking you a bit further afield from Bristol, definitely. Um, taking you over to Venezuela. Yeah. Oh, wow. And are you a, a big South American fan? I am fan? a big South American fan, and... In fact, that's why I definitely had to put st- music, well, music in Venezuela, they just go together. Music in South America go together. Um, my experience over there, I, I traveled over there. A friend took me out um, to help decorate uh, a house that her, her partner had inherited um, by the coast, sort of in the most fantastic setting, um, and spent a month just doing up this house. And then fell in love with the, the place, the country, the people, and ended up traveling back out there and living there for a couple of years. And music is just everywhere. And of course, the music then sort of transfers into the people and they dance and dances everywhere as well. Um, and it's a place that has totally influenced my life. Yeah, it's just when uh, may I ask when when were you living? Um, so it was um, ooh, so it was in the nineties. <laughs> I'm aware of how old I was. I'm trying to think when it was exactly, but it was in the nineties. Um, and yes, the situation then was a lot better done it today. Okay. Um, it is a country yeah. very close to my heart and also one which is sort of tearing my heart apart at the moment because it, it it's so so dire what's going on there right now and I yet I know that despite the difficulty that they're having and uh, you know in so many ways um, that music is still being played and people are still dancing. And what's the song? And so like? I'm going to play a song which is a um, the, the band aren't Venezuelan, but it was played loads while I was there, and um, it's sort of a merengue house piece, um, and it's called El Taki Taki by the band Illegales. It's just got a fantastic uh-huh. upbeat. Yeah, I hear it and and I immediately change, and my body starts to move, and a smile is on my face, and I'm just back there in that energy, that Latin American energy. And they say, you know, sort of, for some people, it just gets under your skin, and it just got under mine. Yeah, it's quite a leap from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very eclectic taste. <laughs> Perfect. That's this is. El Taki Taki uh, by the Los Ilegales. That was uh, El Taki Taki by Los Ilegales. The Illegals. I mean, that's not a difficult translation, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, <laughs> we're here with, uh, with Sam and she's uh, talking to us about all her travels where are we going so next we're coming we are traveling please. back to europe we're going to go to france mm-hmm. and i'm going to take you there very gently very much sort of with a progressive beat um because i'm going to request the bolero by ravel and the reason for that is because 
I actually moved to France when I was only eight um, as uh, with the family and we um, set up home there and I grew up then for the next 10 years living really close to the Avenue de Vagram and um, although we were a long way down it if I just came to the end of our road stepped onto the Avenue de Vagram I could see the Arte de Triomphe at the end and um, I then saw a film called Les uns et les autres um, sometime during that period and um, there was the final scene where there's this orchestra performing the Bolero by Ravel on the top of the Arte de Triomphe and it just stayed with me so and I love this piece of music and whenever I think of it and play it then I also see the Arte de Triomphe and there's something sort of just there's this it just builds and builds and, and there's um, a sort of drama to it um, and also in the film it's linked with dance and I was very aware that I, I sort of lived also close to a dance studio in the Salle Pleyel and, and there sort of was that um, celebration if you want and the road I lived on was also named after a composer and I just sort of feel that yeah classical field um, is appropriate for me um, to you know, take you to France and also Ravel was French himself, Maurice Ravel so I felt this was appropriate Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely piece of music We are uh, going to Paris How many times have you been to Paris? Well, oh I can't count I can't count, no, on tour as well No, I mean and they say it isn't it it's the most visited city of Europe, am I right? And it's, you know, because it's so romantic I will say this I do love it, but it isn't a green city, and that's why, or one of the main reasons that I haven't chosen to live there as an adult, um, because I really need more greenery. But it is a beautiful city, and it does have you know that romantic aspect which makes it so popular. Um, yes, I can't count how many times I've been. Yeah, I, I knew I knew that, that was going to be the answer. We are uh, now going to Paris uh, with uh, Maurice Ravel and Bolero. You, you said it much better, Sam. Okay, we've just been to Paris with this beautiful piece of music, the Bolero, which is an absolute classic. Uh, not just because it's classical music. That was the version by the London um, Symphony Orchestra. And uh, where are you? Where so are we we're going, going to go not very far away. We're going to go to Italy. We are going, however, to a place of magic because we're going to Venice. Yes. And to me, I... Venice is magical. The first time I went, I took that boat. This is a boat you take um, if you, whether you go by train or whether you go by bus there's a point you can't go any further and so I got on that ferry and traveled round to St Mark's Square and it was just magical I found coming round by boat it was so quiet and smooth and and it, it just created this sense of space there is space because you're on the boat so there's space around you and in front of you and and then you come and see this sort of wonder of St Mark's Square and it was just uh, yeah, magical, a magical experience for me and one that I remember when I go back and sometimes it's not always so magical, perhaps the light isn't quite the same but the light on that day, the time of day and the quiet 
um, was just beautiful. And there's something about the piece of music that I've chosen, which has something of that magic in it for me. And, and also that anticipation, I think. Um, it, it, there's a and and there's a beauty. It's sort of this anticipation of something magical and beautiful, um, and it's a piece of music that is called the Adagietto by um, Gustav Mahler from the Symphony Number no. Five of Mahler's, um, which was used for a film as well, um, which was used for the film Death in Venice um, by Visconti, and um, uh, the story is also about beauty. Um, it may be, you know, it's got other aspects in it, and um, but it it has as a theme also beauty. And uh, yes, it's one that I think of when I go back to Venice, and that I I also love the piece of music. Um, so also, I was also thinking on a desert island, um, what would I like to listen to? And, and the piece of music I've chosen, I went, yes, I, I I could do with those. <laughs> yes, a little Mahler. Um, may I ask, when was it that you were in Venice and it was empty? And because it, it's such a rare. Occurrence. Yes, um, I know, I know. I think I must have gone on my own when I went for the first time, um, and I think it must have been in sort of early spring. Um, okay. I can't remember quite when it was because it, you know I have been back so many times. But yes, it certainly arriving was quiet. Um, yeah, and I also think I also arrived very early in the morning. That probably helped. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, we, we as Italians enjoy to, to sleep in a little bit. Yes. <laughs> okay, fantastic. This is uh, Mahler with his Adagetto from Symphony Number no. Five, and we're going to Venice. Right, we, we've just been to Venice with some Gustav Mahler. Where so are we now we're next? coming right back home, um, or very close to home. So I'm taking you to London. Yes. Oh, yes. And um, that's because London is dear to my heart. Um, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with London. I've lived there for many years, um, on and off. So I sort of lived there, then moved away, went back, moved away, went back, moved. I kept trying to get out. I, I did actually manage to get out when I moved to Bristol. It was sort of like, <laughs> finally done it. <laughs> but I still do love going back because there is just so much going on in the way of the arts, um, whether it's theatre or all of those fantastic exhibitions, galleries, museums, which I really love. So um, it is a place that is uh, close to my heart. It's a place also where I went to university and I did then um, get out and about uh, on the club scene a little bit and um, parties and things and also some concerts. And the time when I felt really, really lucky, and the reason I've chosen this is because it's like a symbol <laughs> of being lucky, <laughs> is when I actually got to go as a steward to Wembley to see and hear the Rolling Stones. So it was in July oh. 1990, and um, I got there for free. But on top of that, I actually got positioned 
in the gate on the um, left-hand side of the stage, just the second gate along from the stage. So I was so close. I wasn't too close. I was so close. It was just amazing. And I was a steward. And, it, you know, and I was sort of down on the ground level, but I had access to the stairs if I, if I wanted. Um, so I just had every perspective. I mean, it was just absolutely brilliant. And when it started, this concert, um, there were these great flames that shot out from all around the stage and you could you started to hear a voice and then everyone was going you know that's Mick Jagger where is he where is he and then he emerged up sort of on some platform way up high and the whole thing was extraordinary and they are just such amazing performers I came out of it thinking oh my god my life has changed of course um well it hadn't really but maybe it had in some way I don't know but I definitely had that feeling and so I want to sort of you know put them um in this um yeah selection with um I can't get no satisfaction which was the encore song of the concert Yes, one of the most iconic guitar riffs of all yeah. times, I would say. Um, right, but that's that was an incredible story. If there's a YouTube video of that concert, I'm gonna look for you in in the. Thank <laughs> you too. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go and look right after we finish. Um, perfect. So that was that is gonna be. I can't get no satisfaction by the Rolling Stones, and uh, we are uh, in yeah. London. That was uh, those were the Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. Pretty iconic song. One of those that you only need two seconds yeah. to recognize. Um, so we're here with uh, with Sam Forrest, and we are gonna talk next about the book that has inspired yes. your travel. So I found this quite tricky. Um, I thought long and hard, and I realized I have read some travel books um, or travel writing but I couldn't think of one that had really sort of struck home in the way that it had inspired me to travel so then I thought a little bit more of what books have taken me places or have I thought of when I've been in places and I think the one that stands out the most and that I tell stories about is Kafka's The Castle. So the reason, it's not so much about actually traveling, but it's because when I went to Prague, the first time I went to Prague, um, I wanted to visit the, the, the castle. <laughs> and um, I was only there for three days. And I was there with my sister and every morning we said, okay, we're gonna make our way to the castle. And we didn't get there. And the whole story in the book is 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 him attempting to get in aside this space. And, and he, he can't get there, he can't get there. And I experienced the same thing. <laughs> trying to get up the hill to the castle and, and then there'd be other things that stopped me and we'd get diverted and, and we'd digress and we and finally we did get there on the very last day in the very last afternoon but it was just quite a, a funny uh, um yeah little play and I kept thinking um of his story but also when I was there which is many years ago again I have to say um it has changed so much but when I was there I found the atmosphere of the city so it was it was in the winter it was for my birthday my birthday's in november um and it was cold in fact it was snowing it was freezing we kept jumping into cafes to have hot chocolates um and, but but it had an an energy a slightly 
dark but fascinating energy. I found it really permeated out of the streets. Today, now that it is so popular, now that also um, not just numbers of people, but actually the shops and things, they've changed the fronts of their stores. They're very much more outward looking. Before it was much more of an inward place, much more sort of like introverted. And and that energy was really there. And I felt it matched the energy of Kafka's books, Kafka's, not just the castle, but um, the trial and, and, and metamorphosis as well. And, and sort of the energy of his writing and um, the color even of the buildings. So I would say in terms of fitting a place, that's the book. Okay, fantastic. And uh, what is the item you always pack? Yes, yeah, so the item I always pack is some paper. It's a notebook or even sections of a notebook. Sometimes I pull papers out. If, I, if a notebook's going to be too heavy, I'll just pull out a section of it so that I have something to write on. I always, even round and about town in my handbag, I always make sure I have paper and a pen. <laughs> and do you... Is it the right just no 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 well or? yes that's helpful too but i have it so that when i have a moment of inspiration i can write um that down i can write and it may just be a, a, you know yeah a couple of lines a phrase i might notice something and it comes to mind oh i could you know describe that in this way and and i want to be able to put it down and i'm not really i know some people these days they use their phone but i really like pen and paper and that sort of body connection so it's it's a note yeah it, it's it's just different i agree and also i i think the the thing that i find difficult when i use digital media is that cancelling is deleting stuff is not as satisfactory as, on, no. as it is on no. paper like yeah, scratch yeah. <laughs> really violent. Yes. And sometimes even read back through it if you think, oh, you know, maybe maybe that wasn't so bad. But the other thing is um on tour as well, I can find that it's a way to step out. So it is for moments of inspiration, um, but it's also for moments of finding myself again. So I mm -hmm. I can find, you know, maybe yeah, it's just lunchtime and I'm grabbing a sandwich and I'm sitting on a wall, but oh, I have a moment and I might pull out my paper and I just tune back into myself and it gives me these windows of space just for me. And that's sort of helpful. It's like recharging my batteries. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. So um, that was, uh, that's been Sam Forrest from Bristol. Thank you, thank you so much for, uh, for your you time. You too. Have a lovely day.